Welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice, and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid, and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi, Fertility Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Warrior Intensive. Today, I am so excited because seriously, I think it's been like four, five, six months that I have been trying to sync up times with Blair and pretty much I live in the worst time zone in the world because it's pretty much the opposite time to everybody else in the world. So I am so thrilled because this is one of my most favoritest people on the internet it is Blair Nelson from Fab Fertility and we are talking today all about some of the big stuff the big game changers on her journey and basically I'm just really thrilled to have you here oh I'm thrilled to be here I'm so glad we finally made it happen So I want to dive into all the stuff today I want to be a really good listener and you are like in the thick of it right now so I think that's super powerful for our listeners to hear because if they're listening right now that means that they are probably in the thick of it as well so you know exactly everything that they are probably going through right now and you know I'm sure they can relate to a lot of the things you're going to say today so let's start at the beginning if we can and I'd love you to just share a little bit about your journey from the beginning. Sure. Hello, everybody. Like I said, I am so glad to be here and the feeling is mutual. You are one of my favorite people ever. Robin has been on my podcast, which I can talk about a little bit later, but uh, to kind of go through my fertility journey, my husband and I started trying pretty much immediately um, after we got married in September of 2017. And I am very type A, very impatient, very much a millennial in the sense that I want immediate gratification. (laughs) And my whole life I have been like, you know, study hard, make good grades, get into the school you want, get the job you want, whatever, whatever, like make the sports team that you want all, you know, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to a certain extent. And that's kind of how I thought it was going to be having a kid. Like, Mm -hmm chart chart take your temperature do your ovulation kits check practice, check what, whatever check 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 and it's going to happen and mm-hmm. i would say i gave that a good old like 3 or 4 months before i started getting really restless and frustrated and then you know i had to talk myself down and be like okay it hasn't been that long just wait a little bit around 6 months i went and saw my um my ob at the time And she was very old school in the sense that she was like, you're under 35, just wait for a year. And then we can, we can start doing some testing. It should happen. And I was, I left that appointment and immediately texted a friend of mine who I knew was seeing a specialist and was like, who is your OB that referred you to a specialist? Because this is the one not working for me anymore. So you're like, fuck this, this needs to happen faster. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say that that was like the first 
thing that I did to advocate for myself on my journey was that was Mm -hmm. I didn't like what my doctor had to say. And so I went to a new doctor (laughs) and I wanted to find a doctor that was going to be a little bit more progressive, a little bit more aggressive, um, and kind of like jumpstart my fertility journey, really. Like I wanted some answers other than just an annual pap smear, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's all I was getting. And so I went to this new OB and he basically said, you know, you are totally, um, it's totally, you feel validated that you're here. You most certainly don't have to wait a year. That is, you know, that's kind of antiquated at this point. People really should be taking charge of their fertility. And, you know, I will forever be grateful to him. I still, I still go to him as my OB. And um, so we started off with just some basic testing. You know, we did like my AMH, uh, like your day three test for those listening, you know, like day three of your cycle where they test your FSH, your AMH, and then sometimes they throw in a thyroid panel. And um, I was already on some thyroid medication, um, which, you know, I feel like for the, for people listening, like one of the very first things you should check is your thyroid and your AMH. Like those are just baseline, easy things that you can check and that you can, you know, your thyroid needs to be at a certain level for you to really be um, in a good spot fertility wise. So anyway, got that under control. And then my husband was like, you know, Blair, I have this like medical file on myself that my dad kept and both of his parents unfortunately are deceased and his dad had passed away not that long before mm-hmm. that. And, um, and before we got married and, uh, so we had all this stuff, you know, from, from him and lo and behold, there is a medical file on my husband that says that he has a balanced translocation. And for those that don't know what that is, it is the like perfect flip flop of two sets of your chromosomes and that happens when you're conceived. So you are something you were born with and is genetic. Um, if it is balanced, you are a normal human, all is fine. You do oftentimes run into issues though when you start trying to reproduce because a lot of times the um, embryos or babies that you create uh, they are not balanced. And so what happens with a lot of people, if they, a lot of people do not know they have one because they are normal people. Um, but they find out when they start trying to have a kid, because either if it's the woman that has one, they start, they, they have recurrent miscarriages. If it, if it's the male, his wife has recurrent miscarriages. Um, or unfortunately you can even bring a pregnancy to term. And then oftentimes like, I would say almost hundred percent of the time the baby dies shortly after they're born. So um, if you, you know, if you do conceive an unbalanced translocation and translocated child, um, they're not viable with life. So we did not know any of that. We did not know what that meant when we found that piece of paper, but we basically took it to our doctor and he was like, yeah, I mean, you need, you need to immediately go and see a specialist. So you know, here we are eight months into our marriage and we're sitting in front of an RE mm-hmm. <laughs> already being, it's like we went from zero to 60 and you know, most people are like, try, 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 doesn't work. Try, try some Clomid, try some like mm-hmm. some medicated cycles, try an IUI or two. No, we like went from literally ovulation kits to IVF. So yeah. That was in um, summer of 2018. And then I'll just kind of fast track what we've been through since then. 
Our first round of IVF went great. Um, we sent off a ton of embryos for genetic testing. So for, for IVF, we, we were told IVF was the only way um, that we were going to have a child. There's a very small chance we could conceive a normal baby naturally, but that would take six plus years mm -hmm. if, if, if we could even do that. Um, so we started IVF right away. Um, and with a translocation, you, you have to genetically test your embryos to test, make sure that the embryos you transfer do not have an unbalanced translocation, right? So we're, we are always doing freeze all cycles. So our first freeze all cycle, we sent off 17 embryos, which is just insane. Um, yes. and we, we got four normal back. Um, we transferred one in August of 18. It didn't work. We transferred the second, uh, September of 18 and I got pregnant and then I miscarried at seven and a half weeks in October, which was, I don't, I don't want to just breeze past that because that happening to me is the entire reason why I started Fab Fertility and the entire reason why um, I'm so passionate about this community and we can get back to that, but just like for the sake of going through mm -hmm. my journey, then um, in December of 18, I had a hysteroscopy and an ERA, which is an endometrial receptivity analysis or array. People say different things um, to basically like what's going on. Like, are, are we not, transferring at the right time? Is the uterus not ready? Um, it's kind of strange that a 32 year old is, it, that this is pregnancies aren't happening or they're not sustained. Like, so we did a bunch of kind of research on my body. Um, hysteroscopy came up clean. Like I didn't have anything left over from the miscarriage. Um, the ERA did tell us that I was 24 hours pre-receptive, which means that I needed 24 more hours of progesterone before a transfer. So basically mm -hmm. if you believe the ERA results, they were transferring the embryos 24 hours too early. Mm -hmm. So for transfers three and four, we did in January and February of 2019 and both didn't work and we used the ERA results. So huge head scratcher and what was going on and why that wasn't working, but we decided to go back into another cycle uh, with our first doctor. We did it was just a CF from clusterfuck. I know I can cuss with you. Yeah. Um, they all explicit here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> huge clusterfuck from the get go. Um, it was canceled because I had ovulated through my birth control. I had, so I had assist basically. Then, um, we canceled mid stems because we didn't think my body was responding the way that it should, given how crazy good it responded the first time. Then we decided to throw in a whole new protocol at, and I did a Lupron long. It was awful. Um, we only got like seven eggs out when I had gotten 34 before. It was just, mm. it was, it was awful. Mm -hmm. um, then I was like, well, this is strange. Like this doesn't seem right. Obviously my body didn't like that protocol. Let's retest my AMH. So my AMH when I started IVF was a 2.6, which is, mm -hmm. I know different countries do different readings, but does that sound right to you? Like, yeah. do you, are you guys yeah. want to say, yeah. So it's good. Um, not, not like amazing, but definitely good for my eight, for my age. Then after my second, like botched round of IVF, um, oh, well, I shouldn't say botched. We made two embryos, but both of them came back with the unbalanced translocation. Mm -hmm. Um, we retested my AMH and it was a 0. 0.8. <laughs> so right. it, it was like, it was insane. 
And so then we were so frustrated with our second cycle. We were panicked by the AMH reading. We had followed my first doctor to another clinic because she switched clinics. We didn't like the clinic. So we made the decision for all these reasons to move to a new doctor. So in a new clinic. And so we took this AMH reading and like our panic and mm -hmm. our, all of our failures to this doctor, our new doctor who we're still with. And, you know, he basically said, what you need is you need numbers. Like we need you to get a bunch of eggs so that we can mm -hmm. overcome the odds. We can overcome the statistics with the translocation. So he put me on the most insane doses of medication imaginable for rounds three and four, which worked because we got, I think, 19 and like 20 eggs or something. So like we, we kind mm -hmm. of picked back up yeah. into that really yeah. high range. We made two embryos from the third round, four embryos from the fourth round, none of which were genetically normal. So and is this through ICSI? All ICSI. I've done all ICSI cycles. Um, yep. So yeah, none of them. And I think of those six from rounds three and four, two or three were unbalanced, had the unbalanced translocation and three of them were just had other abnormalities. So mm -hmm. we're very frustrated at that point. This was in February of, of this past year. And with when our fourth cycle uh, yielded no normal embryos and we thought, okay, my AMH is dropping. We can't make embryos. Like it's ready to, it's, it's time to throw a Hail Mary and we're going to go to Colorado or California, um, to one of these two doctors that come highly recommended. We're going to interview them or, you know, do consults. And so we did that in March, February or March of this year. And, um, all of them suggested getting my day three, test redone is kind of like reset. Like you mm -hmm. haven't had your blood work done in a while. And my AMH comes back at a 2.9. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, so I'm not running out of eggs. So we felt, and then COVID happens, right? So we went <laughs> fucking from feeling, COVID. <laughs> fucking COVID. We feel like we're so desperate. We're mm -hmm. maybe going to try one more time with a clinic out of state because the, you know, maybe these doctors that are like supposed to be the best in the U S like can work a miracle on my like diminished ovarian reserve mm. and all this crazy genetic shit. Then we find out that I'm not really running out. And so there was a big load load off there and then COVID happens. And that kind of made our decision for us. Like we can't travel to mm -hmm. Colorado or California due to a cycle right now. Mm -hmm. My clinic here remained open. Um, and we have, we had worked out a protocol with my current doctor before we found out about my AMH. And I just said, look, like, why can't we just repeat the protocol, the only protocol that's worked, which was the first one. I know that you didn't come up with it. You didn't curate it for me, but it's the only one that's worked. Like, let's just do it. And he said, Hey, like, I'm totally cool with that. Like it is, it's just basically what we've been doing at a less dosage and we'll see how you do. And then when we got the AMH reading back, he was like, okay, now more than ever, it makes sense to do the less medication, right? Because it doesn't look like you need all the medication we originally thought you did. And I've been doing great. So I have my retrieval. I don't know when this episode comes out, but we're recording this in on May 20th. Yeah. <laughs> I have my retrieval on the 23rd and my body has not only stimulated the same, so I have the same number of follicles as I did for the past two cycles, but it stimulated faster. 
So Mm -hmm. who knew on less medicine in a less amount of time, I would have the same follicle count that I did like on the heaviest doses known to man. It's just, it's so crazy. So, you know, my husband and I made the decision that, um, we weren't ready to give up on our own genetic material yet. Mm-hmm. We, it has been a huge financial burden, um, mm. not to mention an emotional and physical burden. I've gained 15 pounds over the past two years. I have worked really, really hard these past couple months during the quarantine to like get some of this hormone weight off. And I've, you know, got some of it off, but not all of it off. And then here I am again, bloated <laughs> in the middle of my STEM meds. But, um, anyone listening knows it's financially, financially trying. It sucks with your, on your, it's hard on your relationship. It's hard on friendships. It's hard on work. It's, I mean, everything, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we decided, okay, let's do this cycle and then we'll see what happens from there. And one thing that I know we're going to get into this, that has helped me cope and Mm -hmm. helped me one thing that's just helped my mindset is um, like I used to say to myself, okay, once we've done three rounds of IVF, if we don't have a kid, then we're doing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to go to donor if whatever. That to me, I've learned over the course of the past couple of years does more harm than good because you don't know how you're going to feel after the next milestone hits. Like, you don't know that you're ready to give up. And then if you set these expectations, it just puts so much pressure on the current cycle. And for me, I just try to focus on what I'm doing right now. And if it doesn't work, then we'll, then we'll think about it, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just like putting these, it's like, it's like what we used to do when we were kids. Like I'm going to be married by the time I'm 25 and I'm going to have two kids by the time I'm 30. And look, does, does anybody, if, if anyone listening can tell me their life has worked out how they thought it would when they were in college or u- at university or whatever, like I will call you a liar because it never goes according to plan. And I've just had to learn, I've had to learn to accept that and just operate in the moment. Um, instead of trying to figure out what I, what may or may not happen in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can, I think as humans, like it's a scientific thing that it's almost like we set ourselves up for failure because we're always setting these goals and then whether you don't, if you don't achieve the goals, you feel like a failure because you haven't met this goal. But then if you do achieve the goals, often what happens is you just set another goal and actually don't sit in and celebrate that goal. So sometimes I think we can, I think sometimes it's helpful to set sort of like mini milestones. So in terms of like surviving and things like that, one thing that I say is it's not, I'm not trying to say like this needs to happen by this time or anything like that, but I'm like, just survive until the end of the week or just get through this week and muddle mm-hmm. through like even if you muddle through and you're not thinking about what's going to happen I like it's almost like I would repeat to myself especially like two or three years back I would say just get to the end of the day like all you need to do so if you're at work whatever mm-hmm. you are just get to the end of the day all I'm going to do is get to the end of the day then I'd get to the end of the day and then I'd say just get through the night then I'd get through the night mm-hmm. and there was no like win or fail or anything like that it was just time was going to continue anyway like I couldn't lose that (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that was not a goal that I could lose because I was inevitably always going to get through but just having to say to myself like rather than being like you know 
these big giant goals like I'm going to do three cycles and then you know like I would be literally like mini milestones like four hours is achievable for anyone so but I like I really feel you on the AMH test because you know we see it in the fertility warriors support and chat group all the time that women are diagnosed with a low AMH I get people joining the intensive program as well and we I even have had Grace Miano, nutritionist, do like a big talk uh, with some people, some of my audience about it. It's a hormone. So just in the same way that progesterone levels can go up and down, AMH level is a hormone and that it's a great test because it gives us the ability to be able to see like some clues about what's going on. But in actual fact, there's no real way for us to check egg reserve. There's no real way for us to really check you know, before things happen about egg quality and things like that, we can just get these little clues that are indicators. And AMH, just like any other hormone, can fluctuate. Like our body is constantly being like, hang on a second, like I'm going to up this, I'm going to down mm-hmm. this. And so it could have been related to so many things. And it could have been that, that cycle at the moment that might like, and people will always be like, fuck you with the stress but it could have been like the stress of the journey is you know like it plays with our hormones our body when it's releasing cortisol and things like that is constantly then playing with hormone levels and if it's trying to release a whole and create a whole bunch of cortisol then it might be you know playing around with other hormones but so many of us get this head fuck when we look at amh and a lot of the time which i know you do you have really healthy habits um you are not afraid to get out there and try new things that we just sometimes need to get back to basics, I think, with our health. But often the AMH test results give us this huge head mm-hmm. So you have zoomed through quite a lot of fertility treatments in quite a short period of time. Are you glad that you've just been like, next cycle, next cycle? Yes, because for me, that's just how I operate. And mm-hmm. my husband is probably the complete opposite of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the breaks that we've taken have very much been like him saying, Blair, like we need to take a few months before mm-hmm. we jump right back into this thing. Like I, I forget between the second and third cycle, I think we took a few months off and I did so much better in the third cycle than I did in the second cycle and he was like, see, like once your body has time to rest and like recuperate and like maybe detox some of these hormones, it does so much better. And so, you know, we are good balanced on one another because mm-hmm. I think if it were up to him, we would take all this time in between the cycles because it's very stressful for him. I mean, as it is for everybody, um, or he takes, he takes the stress very seriously and it like really affects him. Um, he's just an overthinker by nature. And so he's just manifests like all this anxiety. So I, but I am glad because I don't, I don't want to be an old parent Mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I want, we want more than anything to have kids ASAP for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. All of our friends are having kids. We want them, we want to raise our children with our friends, children, you know, there's just so many, we want my, my parents to be able to be young, young grandparents. Like there's just so many things. So for me, yeah. I mean, and one thing I was going to share is that in the beginning, um, what used to cause a lot of stress is like, I would go through these cycles and be like, well, if this doesn't happen for us, like, 
we're not going to have kids because we weren't having the hard conversations about like, okay, like once, once we get to this point, like, and if it doesn't work, are we going to, are we going to like look at adoption or embryo adoption or sperm donor or egg donor, whatever it is, like all mm. the realm of possibilities. We were so like, I think in the beginning, a lot of people can probably relate. It's like not something that you go into IVF talking about. You don't go into IVF assuming it's going to fail for you. Yeah. Um, and, but as time has gone on, we have had to like face the reality that this might not work for us. Mm-hmm. And t- we've had the hard conversations and knowing that regardless of whether my next treatment works or not, we are going to end up with children one way or the other. We have made that commitment to one another, just relieve so much stress. Yeah. Um, because for me, I was just like, I was so afraid that he wasn't gonna be able to get on board with just cause we, we were assuming all these things because we weren't having the conversations. And we finally started going to see an infertility, like couples therapist. Mm-hmm. And we go like, you know, depending on where we're at in our journey, like maybe a couple times a month, maybe once a month, whatever, cause it's not cheap, but it's a place where we can go and have all the hard conversations. So we're not inundating our relationship with them and not talking about it all the time, but we know that if there's something really serious we want to talk about, we have a space to do that. Those have been really big game changers for me. I wish that I would have, we would have started the therapy like way sooner um, because it's just been so helpful. And I feel a little bit like we so readily invest in like the medical treatments and things like that. It's a no-brainer. Like if you break your arm, you go to a doctor and you fix it. But there's so, like we can get so head fucked by infertility that I think there's a massive hurdle and we can often be like, no, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But actually the reality is a a lot of us are not okay. Like I was certainly not okay when I had my miscarriage and that's a big, it's like a real emotional hurdle for us to get over when we go, actually, do you know what? the emotional stuff, the relationships, the stress management, all of that stuff, like I actually need to get over that hurdle and Mm -hmm. put some time and some money into making myself okay. How, like, how have you navigated thinking to yourself, like, actually, we need to go see an infertility counsellor to help make sure our relationship is okay? Um, We just weren't getting anywhere Mm -hmm. when we would try to have conversations about serious stuff, like, Mm -hmm. like if, like at some point we're going to have to get off this hamster wheel if it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen for us, the hamster wheel, meaning infertility treatments. Yes. And what does life look like after that? Yes. We, We were too scared or too defensive of our own issues, like physical, like, reproductive issues potentially to like actually sit down and navigate a conversation ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was becoming like a big, like contentious, contentious issue between the two of us. And it, it was just like, we can't sit down and have a serious conversation to save our life without one of us getting upset or crying or like storming off or getting, you know, just there wasn't a productive conversation at all. And finally, like, I I think I went to dinner with some girlfriends and they were like, Blair, 
you guys just should go see somebody. I mean, why not? You, it's not like, you know, so many people associate therapy with there being something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I feel like more, I feel like more and more of the world is accepting that everyone should really be going to therapy, to be honest. But, um, you know, you don't want to admit that it's almost like it, by going, you're admitting something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And my friends were like, Blair, y'all are going through some hard shit. Like, just go, you know, like, why not? And so, you know, I talked to Will about it and I was like, listen, let's just go once and see what it's like. And I would just really like to be able to find a way to navigate these conversations because we just weren't, we just weren't we were butting heads about, about something. Ultimately, we just weren't able to converse properly about it because once we actually sat down with her, she was like, we all both want the same thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you both want to be parents and you both want that to happen one way or another. But Blair, you want to know, okay, when, what are the steps? How are Mm -hmm. we going to get there? And you want to build it out. And kind of like I said, I've learned to let that go, (laughs) but I used to be like, okay, if the next round doesn't work, then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And by 2022, we're going to have a baby, damn it. And my husband was, is more of like the focus on what's in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, then I'll look, he's compartmentalizing. Mm -hmm. And so it just, you know, having somebody navigate that conversation kind of like lead, lead us to water (laughs) was, was good. You know, we are like, we're very the same. I'm like, this happens here. Then this happens. Then this is a step. And then if this doesn't happen and then like, you know, negotiate the chess pieces. And he was very much like, Oh, you know, if we don't fall pregnant, like we kind of talked about adoption in the sense that he was like, I won't be adopting and I don't want to discuss it any further. You know, we were in yeah. our journey in 2013 and it just wasn't the same. There wasn't the Instagram community. There was nothing, you know, that felt like it was around that time other than that, like, there was me and about two other people who had a podcast and I was, like, in the yeah. thick of navigating this shit too. And then um, he, yeah, he was very much like, and if we don't have kids, we don't have kids. And then I'd just be like, shut up, Ross, like, fucking shut up. <laughs> Uh, and that's not healthy um so you know like (laughs) it's now that you know we learn that actually there's effective ways to communicate and to it's all it's almost all about sort of like conflict resolution and learning how to yeah how to navigate those hard conversations and how to navigate them without like stonewalling or still showing respect and so I yeah I wholeheartedly agree that that's such a healthy thing to do for your relationships because we have to prioritize our relationships looking at your journey and looking at how you've changed tell me old Blair versus new Blair how have you changed on this journey oh gosh um I have changed so much I would say um but the main things are I am definitely more patient. Mm -hmm. I have learned to release control a little bit. I am a control freak and I have learned that I have no control (laughs) pretty much (laughs) over my infertility other than things I can do at home, like 
like, you know, ridding my house of toxins, like eating healthy, taking care of myself, taking supplements, all those things. But like, as an example, who gives a shit if I only have nine follicles at my first appointment? I can't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, I can't change that. And so for me, I just try not to give a fuck about the numbers that are reported to me. Like I can't, I can't do anything than what I've already done. I've taken the medication the way they've told me to take it. I've eaten healthy. I've avoided alcohol, caffeine, all the things. And you know, I used to get so like worked up to get the fertilization numbers and the embryo numbers and the test results and this and that and the follicles. And I just am like, I'm just going to let it ride. And whatever results I get, I get. And then we deal with those results. But stressing about something you have no control over has caused me so many sleepless nights, so much anxiety. And now I, I don't do that as much. I, I'm human, so I do it, but I've learned to relinquish some control. Um, I have become 100% more aware of the effect of my words, meaning I will never ask somebody if they're going to have kids ever again. Um, you know, you, you get asked these questions when you're going through this and people mean no harm. And they're questions I used to ask, like, when are you guys going to have a baby or when are you going to give so-and-so a sibling? And, 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 you know, that's not just to be kept in the infertility space. It's just like being more aware of, as a human about people's issues and what they might be going through. I feel like I'm way more empathetic. Um, I, I, yeah, I just think more tuned in to the fact that people struggle and uh, whether it's infertility or otherwise. So those would be, and also too, I just think I, I have this whole new, um, I feel like I finally, not that I didn't have purpose before, but I feel like I have this life, life's purpose um, through going through this. I, I feel like being connected with this community and going through this has shown me like the work I need to do in this world. And, you know, I love my full-time job and it's what pay, pays the bills, but like, it's certainly not my passion anymore. And maybe it never was, I'm kind of realizing, but, um, so yeah, I feel like I've changed a lot actually. <laughs> <laughs> How we all. And, you know, like I completely commend you on not just, sitting there and being like okay well we'll just try another six months or another 12 months or you know do this and going out there to get results not being afraid to get a second opinion what are the other things like can you give us like maybe one two three other things that you're like fuck yes I'm so glad that I've done this like some game changes things that have really you know like you're proud that you've done them yes okay so I would definitely say they're all kind of mindset mm-hmm. focused. Um, the first one is for anybody listening, like I used to be so like, I would go into the doctor's office, into the fertility clinic. I would listen to what the doctor had to say. I would take my orders and I would leave. Right. But someone told me, someone that I interviewed was like, listen, like, and just, I'm a very inquisitive person. I always had questions. I always wanted to say, 
there was always something I had read about that I was curious about that I wanted to ask, but for whatever reason, like once I got in that exam room, I could never, I could never get it out. I was just like, almost like in the twilight zone or something. Um, had like blinders on. It was just like focused on the appointment. And someone told me like, these people work for you. You need to shift your mindset and they might, if they're only going to give you 15 minutes, make the 15 minutes worth it. Ask the questions push for protocols that you believe in, ask for testing. You know, I like literally, I asked my doctor to do a surgery on me this past November. And he was like, okay. I mean, I was like, I want a laparoscopy because I want to make sure I don't have silent endometriosis <laughs> and I've met my, dedu- and I've met my deductible. And so let's do it. And he's like, okay. Um, so I think taking the mindset of, yes, are these doctors brilliant people that are probably way smarter than I'll ever be? Yes. But do they work for me? Yes. So I think that mindset has, has really served me well. Um, also I, I can't take credit for any of this. This is all advice that's been given to me. That's just really stuck with me. Um, someone told me, uh, one time, like, it is okay to be upset and sad and frustrated and angry along your journey. Like there's going to be some terrible like pitfalls and bumps and it is okay to feel all of those negative. I'm doing air quotes. Robin can see me. Y'all can't see me negative, um, emotions, but put a limit on like, put a time limit on your, your pity party. Like I, will allow myself to be upset for a day. And then I'm like, okay, Blair, you've had your day. It's time to move on because you can get yourself into this deep, dark depression going through this when it's not working. If you don't just pick yourself up and move on. And again, it's, it's back to those things you can't control. I can't control that three cycles have resulted in zero embryos to transfer. And it sucks every single time. And I cry and I, and I yell and I probably drink too much it, that day and like whatever. And I feel really sorry for myself. But then the next day I'm like, all right, life goes on. What's next? Like, what is the next step? That's really helped. Um, I feel like there was one more thing. Oh, one thing that I invested in like really early on that really, really changed all of this is all like mental mindset for me. I feel like the physical stuff I can handle, the financial stuff, thankfully we've been able to navigate, but it's the mental stuff that has been Mm -hmm. the hardest on me. And I worked with a girl in Canada who was like a, you know, a fertility coach kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say exactly what you do, Robin, but like, you know, she helps people in this community navigate this shit. And this was way back. This was like in the middle of my first cycle And she kind of taught me how to think through things and kind of like banish my anxiety a little bit. And an example of that would be, I would have, she would ask me, okay, what is a negative thought that you have that is just giving Mm -hmm. you so much anxiety? And I was like, I would say the fear that I'm never going to be a mother as Mm -hmm. an example. Yeah. And she would say, okay, well, because you think that, does that make it true? And I'm like, well, of course not. <laughs> I don't know. And she's like, okay, so because you just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. That really helped me. Also, um, you know, she said would tell me, okay, think about 
when you say that, where does that physically is about the mind body connection? Like, mm-hmm. where does that physically, where do you feel that feeling? And I would say, well, I feel like it's this heavy feeling in my heart. Like I'm not going to be mm. a mother that hurts me in my heart. And so then she would say, okay, so let's acknowledge that thought by like breathing into that space in your body, thinking about it and then acknowledging it and then letting it go, letting that thought go because it's not a true statement. It's just Mm -hmm. a thought. Mm -hmm. And, um, that really helped me a lot because I can just now I try to connect what I'm thinking. I try to bring it into my body, acknowledge it and let it go. And that's really helped me a lot. Um, I'm not good at it all the time. I have to really sit there and think and correct myself. Uh, but those would be three things I think that just have really shifted my mindset around infertility. And people always ask me, how are you so positive? I'm like, I'm not positive all the time. I hurt and I get mad just like you do, but I have these tools mm-hmm. that I use um, that have really helped. So, yeah. And it's like, it's just so important to be able to have a toolkit that you can draw from um, mm-hmm. and to not, you know, I guess the phrase comes to mind, like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, yeah. And without having that strength and that confidence to be able to self-advocate, without having that perspective to be able mm-hmm. to look at situations with a bird's eye view and when you have those fears, to have the tools to be able to start um, like almost going down the rabbit hole and like question, like calling them out, uh, I think is so important. And I can absolutely see how those have been some huge game changers for you on your journey. So we've kind of got two parts before I let you go. It's very late uh, where you are. Um, (laughs) So two quick things. The first is, can you tell us all where we can find you and like what you've got going on at the moment? Because I know you have some very exciting things going on and then we'll do a speed round. Yes. Okay. So for people that might not be familiar with me, my Instagram account is fab fertility. So F A B is in boy fertility, like fertility is fabulous. It's not always fabulous. And what I say, always say is just because fertility is hard, it doesn't mean it can't be fabulous. And I truly mean that we can find a way to make everything fabulous. So, um, I'm on Instagram. I have a website, fabfertility.com. I also have a podcast. Robin's been a guest. Um, that's one of my favorite interviews that I, I, I feel like we just, we just like hit it off. Like we just hit it off yeah. so well. I wish that we lived closer. Um, and so, yes, I have a podcast. I am in, I've done 70 plus episodes. Um, so it's been super fun. I, I, I try to do a, a really good mix of interviewing people going through infertility, but also experts in the field. So you kind of get a mixed bag. And then I recently co-founded another company with another podcast host um, who has a podcast called Infertile AF. Um, And we started the company Fertility Rally. And it kind of started out as an idea to do this isolated, like yearly event. Um, I say isolated only because it's like a once a year type thing where we were going to just bring the community together in person, um, celebrate them, empower them, but also provide some educational opportunities, you know, have experts, other warriors to talk about, you know, just really rally together and support one another and also just celebrate how amazing and strong we are. 
Um, and then, you know, it's supposed to be in Brooklyn this October. Who knows if that'll happen because of COVID, like you said mm. earlier, fucking COVID, just ruining all of our lives. Um, but so then we decided, why does this have to be an isolated event? Like, why can't this brand be something that benefits the community all the time? So what we're doing is we are developing a membership that we are going to launch um, hopefully in June. That's the plan. And so our web, you can follow us on Instagram at Fertility Rally, but also we have a website, fertilityrally.com. You can sign up to get on the waiting list for the membership, but it's going to be really awesome. It's going to create a community within the membership where you can search member profiles, connect with people that have a similar diagnosis that maybe live where you live, and then kind of like organically create your own group within a support group. But we're also going to have live events, um, trainings, video library, um, blog posts written by the founders, but also by guests um, and a whole host of other things. So we're really excited to roll that out. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun. Awesome. That is so exciting. All right. We are going to go into a speed round now. There's only three questions. So I feel like it's pretty easy. What is a must-read book for everyone? Hmm. Must-read book fertility-wise? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your favorite Oh, no, no, no. Book? I was, I was oh, saying. fertility-wise. <laughs> I thought you thought it was fertility-lies. No. Um, and I was like, I've never heard of that one. Uh, that's because it doesn't exist. Um, okay. So, yeah, I would say fertility. I mean, it doesn't have to be related to fertility-wise, but just a book that would be helpful for our audience. Okay. So I would say, I mean, everybody should read. It starts with an egg just because it gives some really good guidance on lifestyle factors. That's what I found it most useful for. Um, Yeah, I guess that would be the one, my go-to book that I would Mm. tell people to read for fertility. Um, There's, there's so many, but that one I think is a, is a, is a good one to start with. Yeah. And what is your favorite quote or affirmation? My favorite affirmation is you deserve to be a mother. That's what I always say to myself when I am doing meditations or when I'm feeling down on myself about my journey. I always say like, you know, you deserve to be a mother. Everyone does. Everyone who wants to be a mother deserves to be a mother. And I feel like you're fighting this infertility fight is just like the first of many moments you're or of many things you're doing to show just how dedicated you are to it. So, yeah. The very last one is if you had one message that you could like shake people and tell them, what would it be? To not be ashamed and to share your journey, whether you are out in the Instagram world with your name, like I am like screaming from the rooftops, like me and Robin do, or you have an anonymous fertility account where you don't even disclose where you live or your name, but you just talk about what you're going through. Literally the, um, silent suffering is awful and it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be a thing. And it breaks my heart that anybody, anybody does suffer in silence. And I I feel like there are ways to stay anonymous and ways to protect yourself. Um, if you, if you are more shy, which I totally can't relate to, but so many people are. Um, and I just share your journey, find an outlet because finding support and feeling like you're less alone is the number one most important thing in my opinion. Oh, 
I think that our audience is going to be screenshotting lots of little bits from this episode because we are just so grateful for your wisdom, how open you've been uh, in sharing your journey uh, and everything that you do and provide for this fertility community. So thank you so much for joining us, Blair. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me. Um, I love talking to you always. We will catch you all next week in the Fertility Warriors podcast. Um, For now, thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to speak with you soon. Whoa, Nelly, don't go anywhere just yet. I need to tell you about a few more things before you go. The first one is that if you haven't signed up to my Ultimate Fertility Library, it's free, then you're missing out. I have a library of resources just for you and you can get access at robinburkin.com slash library. There are cheat sheets, ebooks, meditations, affirmations, and so much more, and it's all free. Head to robinburkin.com slash library to get access today. And lastly, warrior, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian or a financial advisor. I'm me. And this information is for information and inspirational purposes only based on my own experiences. So please don't substitute the information in this podcast for professional healthcare, financial or other advice. Always consult your own professionals first and know that in the world of trying to conceive, there are no guaranteed pregnancy or other outcomes. If you'd like to know more about my terms and conditions, head to my website at robinburkin.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week.